Welcome to the Daily Sports Show Redo. I am your host, Tyler James. Here at the Redo, I've spent my time watching and listening to all the talking heads give their inflated takes on popular topics. Then I pick a few of those topics that I find good, bad, or just plain weird, and give them a redo by giving my take without the yelling, pandering, or trying to create a new hot take. Let's get into it. All right, as predicted, and rightfully so, the topic that really kind of overshadowed every other topic across sports today was the offsides call in the Kansas City-Buffalo Bills game. Now, I don't know if you guys, anyone's seen this. If you haven't seen this yet, you're probably under a rock or not a huge football fan. But the play was amazing. A little over a minute left, fourth quarter, 2017, Kansas City's down. Mahomes makes a beautiful pass. Travis Kelsey, who breaks up field, running, running, starts taking contact from the Bills defender, and he turns and throws a perfect lateral to Kadarius Toney. And then Kadarius Toney outruns the defenders and scores what would be the go-ahead touchdown for them. Grand, there's a, still a minute or so left. Josh Allen has a shot. He always has a shot. But there's a flag on the play for offsides on the offense. This is kind of a crazy call because you you go back and you see the actual play, see him lined up, and he's clearly offsides. Apparently, this is a huge controversy, and I'll get into why why it is that here in a minute. But pretty much after this, uh, they go to fourth down, they don't convert. Bill's gone and win, and Patrick Mahomes who. Just the picture-perfect representation of, of a professional loses it. I mean, he's going after the ref. He's yelling. He's just all over the place. You have, we have not seen this kind of emotion from him before. And, you know, after the game, they do the where they go across the field and shake hands and stuff. And you, he's recorded, you know, talking to Josh Allen, still complaining about the call, you know, this and this. Goes into the press conference, continues it, you know, and talks about how, you know, they're taking away a they took away a great play from Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career and just on and on. And Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, he doubles down on this as well and talks about how, you know, games shouldn't be decided by refs, this and that. And you know, it's kinda just it's very uncharacteristic of the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, this is a professional organization with head coach and quarterback who really don't they they always take you know the blame and you know rightfully so if you're going to be the the face of your franchise you take the blame regardless of what's going on and we've seen Mahomes do that even though this year already considering his wideouts have been just bad and have really you know dropped the ball you know pun intended and he, but he's always talked about how you know he could have done something better even when he played the Eagles and he threw that perfect ball at the end of the game to Scantling and he dropped it. He talked about how he could have thrown it more perfect to help him out. So that's the kind of guy Mahomes is. That's why it's, this is such a crazy thing to seeing him lose it like that. Uh, this offensive offsides. Apparently, two years ago it was only called once. Last year it was called twice, and this year it's been called eleven times. But I guess people are saying eight of those eleven were during the. 
either by the Philadelphia Eagles tush push or a variation of it by another team. So eight of 11 on a QB sneak. But then just seems like they don't call offensive offsides anymore or they never did. And then it's kind of when the people talking today on the show is about how usually refs will, they'll, they'll notify the wide receiver like, Hey, you're forward or you're back. And then the receiver adjusts, you know, they'll give them essentially a warning before throwing a flag. And that's, you know, that's fine. But at the same time, you know, these million dollar receivers who've been playing their position for how, however many years, especially in the NFL, I mean, they, you would think they would know to check that on their own. They shouldn't need a ref to give them the okay. And even so, if they do, I mean, watching Darius Tony, he doesn't look towards the sideline, towards the, the line judge at all. He's, just, he's looking directly down the line towards the center. So like, you think he could see that he's lined up in front of the ball. And it's just, you know, it's, a, it's an easy call. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that wow, they really don't call it ever. And it's just, it's a shame that that awesome play that happened just essentially doesn't, didn't happen. You know, it got called back, so yeah, never happened. But at the same time, you know, it's, you you can't blame the refs when the player is that blatantly offsides. And some people want to say, you know, they making the point that the refs need to give a warning. Like, they... My, I don't think they need to give a player a warning to not be offsides. I mean, you're, like I said, you're a million-dollar athlete who's been doing this for however many years your entire life at one level or another. You know what being onside is. But people are split on it. Some people, you know, they're, they have the take of, yeah, you're offsides. It should be called. And some people, like, not, they're, they were more hinting at you you pick the flag up which is that's not right either because they're because then you're kind of punishing the defense because the offense was able to pull off a great play granted i don't think that him lining up that extra foot forward or three feet whatever it was really had an impact on the play let's be real it doesn't you know if a player receiver is a foot above where he should be a little offline it doesn't have an impact on the play but you know that it's really kind of split people down the middle on this. It's insane. You know, at the end of the day, I you know you don't want to see something so simple disrupt the game or really kind of change. Possibly, I I don't think the refs really. There's a lot of things leading up to that call to where they, the uh, the Chiefs could have won that game. That call didn't lose in the game, but. It's definitely a call that impacted it, and you hate seeing the refs impact the game in that way, especially when it's a penalty that really doesn't that doesn't have an impact on the game. And it goes back to the whole, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a black and white thing. You're either offsides or you're not. It's not as if, you know, holding where, you know, it's debatable or pass interference where it's like, oh, a lot of hand fighting there. You know, those are kind of in the moment. They can kind of go either way. It's refs using their kind of their, their gut feeling, you know, and seeing if things meet the criteria. For offsides, you know, it's, it's day and night. You know, it's you're either offsides or you're not. 
you know, it's just gotta stay on sides. Back and glad, you know, it's just it's it's hard to fathom people trying to say the ref should pick the flag up in that situation or not call it because it is it's a it's a penalty. It's in the rule book. It's there. You know, if they, I don't know if you, you can take it out because then what, then players can line up wherever they want, as far down the field as they want. I mean, it's a bit dramatic, I know, but, you know, they, it's in the rule book that you can't be offsides. I just don't understand why so many people are really trying to push it as if it shouldn't have been called. I mean, it's, I agree in the sense that it did not impact the play at all, but it is the rules. I mean, it's like when you see a quarterback scrambling out to a right and the left guard or left tackle is way out there and he has a holding call on a guy who basically has no chance of being in the play, but they call it. It's like, oh. it's like, why even hold? The guy was so far away. You know, why throw the flag on that? But it's the same thing. It's a penalty. All right, I'm going to take a short break right here. Let's get into it. Is it panic time for the Eagles? Pretty much, yes. It's it's a bit of time to self-reflection and concern. Obviously, they're you know they're still ten and three, so. How, how high of a level of panic is it? That kind of depends on how deep you want to get with it. You know, some people are still, you know, looking around going, oh, no, we're still tied for the number one seed, number one in the division. If we went out, we're, we win our division. So is it really time to panic? Hmm. On a surface level, no. But when you start, you know, getting the grassroots of things, start making the points, kind of like, okay, it should be, they should be worried. You know, they, they will make the playoffs. I mean, that's, I don't see how they don't. They already have 10 wins in the NFCs, at least as far as the wild cards go. They're pretty thin. So they could lose out and probably still make the playoffs as a wild card. So they're, they're fine in that regards. But compared to, comparatively, last year, the Vikings, you know, they were... Statistically, a great team. A lot of wins. A lot of wins. But about half of those wins were one-possession games. You know, like everyone was saying it all year. You can only have so many close games go your way before eventually you get bit. And recently, you know, the Eagles, all year. You know, up until even after the Jets game when they lost somehow to Zach Wilson. You know, they go into San Fran. And lose before that game, you know, they nine and one, ten and one. They were they were hot, they're beating teams in these close, absolute just dog fights. But after each game, you know, the narrative really wasn't wow, the Eagles dominated that game, or wow, the Eagles fought hard. It was kind of like, oof, they got away with one. Like I've mentioned before, the commanders both times took them down to the wire. That first, that first meeting, you know, they came down, they scored, not much time left. They should have gone for two to try to capitalize on momentum and hand the Eagles their first loss of the season, but they didn't, and the Eagles won in overtime. More recently, the Kansas City game, 
obviously watching that game, you felt like Kansas City was the the better team by a pretty big margin. You know, they played like it. They were up the entire time. Then eventually Eagles got ahead. And of course, Mahomes had the ball. Everyone's got the feeling of, okay, Mahomes has got the ball. He's ready to strike. You know, it's, it's over. Kansas City's going to win. And sure enough, you know, he throws that perfect ball, but it's dropped in the end zone. And then the fourth down play hits the guy in the hands, dropped again. And Eagles win. And, you know, the narrative of that, of that game coming away, you know, isn't the uh, Eagles win. It's once again, Kansas City gets let down by its wide receivers. You know, they go to Buffalo. Josh Allen absolutely tears them up. To the Eagles' credit, though, Jason Jalen Hurts played great. They came back and won in overtime. But you leave that game thinking, okay, this is a Buffalo team that isn't quite what it's supposed to be. At least it hasn't been the same past couple years. So, you know, it's it doesn't go back to the, hey, this is a dominant team in the NFC that can win a Super Bowl. It's more so, ooh, they got away with it. And what's wrong with the Bills? You know, then, of course, to go out to San Fran and get pummeled. You know, and you kind of look at it again, ooh, it's tough. And they go out to Dallas, and people are still picking the Eagles. They talk about how Eagles, they already beat them early in the year. It's fine. But, you know, when they beat the Cowboys – same thing with all the other teams they beat. Their narrative isn't, oh, the Eagles were so good. They dominated. It was, ah, Dak Prescott stepped out of bounds. Or, ah, was that a pass interference on the on the goal line there at the tight end? Probably. Yeah, it was. So they come away, like, they come away with the win. Once again, those close games, they come on top. But last two weeks, they just got bit. Multiple turnovers. Just nothing on the offensive end besides turnovers. I mean, the defense outscored their offense. You know, this defense that was just people raped about is now just bottom five and everything. You know, they're bringing in veterans and making trades of just trying to do something to fill the void. Uh, Some people are talking about how the Eagles they shouldn't panic, you know, because the defense, and they're saying the defense will get better. But, you know, it's week 14. At this point, you kind of are who you are, unless you're getting someone back from injury or you do do like an actual big signing of a non-injured star player. From my knowledge, I don't think the Eagles are getting anyone back soon. So their defense is kind of what it is. You know, unless they are they plan on firing their defensive coordinator and someone steps up and gives them some kind of boost to their morale and maybe some different play calling. I don't know. It's just, to me, it seems like this late in the game, you are who you are. Uh, like I've mentioned, it's when they won the games, they're not dominating. So it's, and they talk, people, I know they're talking about, oh, the Eagles are, they're kind of beat down because they just had this really tough gauntlet of teams. They did. To their credit, they did. And they, they came away two and two, I believe. You know, they beat the, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the Bills, lost to the 49ers, and lost to the Cowboys. You know, the next week they have the Seahawks, who, depending on, 
who quarterbacks for them in the world would be, how tough it will be. If it's Drew Locke, I give him a good shot. If it's Geno Smith, that's another, hey, that might be another shootout, which I don't know if the Eagles offense can really handle a shootout like that, the way Seahawks and Dallas did it. But, you know, it's just it's one of those things where we've said it all year looking at them that just it doesn't seem right, doesn't seem sustainable. And it's been proven right. But luckily for them, they do have the Cardinals coming up and then the Giants twice. So those should be able to boost morale and give you some wins. Or if they lose, that'll probably just kind of destroy all confidence in. They'll lose their division and we'll, we'll have to see what they do in the division round. All right, and that's all I got for that topic. Let's get into it. Once again, current MVP talk. After another weekend where Dak has played well, he played pretty well that game, and Brock Purdy played Incredible once again. The system quarterback is fig- is just <laughs> destroying teams. And it comes down to those two once again. That's the, the main two conversation. Dak and Purdy. And if you look at their stats, it's kind of a wash. Purdy's definitely holds the stats are higher, but it's kind of negligible with what the actual numbers are. So it's kind of... If you're going to go based on stats, one guy needs to be clearly out in front, in my opinion. If you're going to go just saw on stats, example being the recent Heisman winner, the quarterback from LSU, like you, it was kind of, kind of seen the seen the stats for the first time. You're kind of like, whoa, he threw, he had 50 touchdowns in the season, and I think it was either two or four interceptions. So, 50 touchdowns and two interceptions is like that is insane granted he they aren't in the playoffs they weren't in the uh, sec championship game so like uh, comparatively to marvin harrison jr who you know they were in the championship game or they they, actually they weren't either yeah that's right because they lost to michigan the week before but to me it's always more impressive when your skill position does so well when the quarterback isn't held in such high regard Comparatively to the to Jaden Daniels out of there from LSU and the quarterback from Washington and Oregon, so that would, that would be nice to see a receiver win it because I still think the because I don't like to see that along with the MVP. It's just a purely a quarterback award because they already have a quarterback award. So seeing the Heisman just being an extension, that's kind of not as exciting. But uh, back to with Dak and Purdy, you know, Purdy's got the he's got the wins. You know, their grandest their records tied, but Purdy's got the head to head. You know, he's he beat Jalen Hurts. Tougher schedule so far. I mean, when if it comes down to it, he's got the head to head, so that should be a bit of a tiebreaker, you'd think. But uh, one way to look at it too is is Brock Purdy even the best player on his team, the best player on his offense. I mean, I think that's kind of an important aspect of being most valuable player is you're the most valuable player on your team, on your offense. And 
I don't really think he is. And it's a fair, that's fair to say. You know, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's clearly the number one running back in the NFL. He's back there, and it's just, you know, the Philly has their one-yard tush-push. They have their, you give to McCaffrey, he's going to find a way in the end zone from one yard out. I mean, he had that incredible streak going of 16, 17 games in a row with a touchdown before it's finally broken. I mean, the dude's a beast. You know, and so obviously it helps a team when you have, and you can rely so heavily on your running game. And obviously the offensive line's great. Hall of Fame left tackle there, Trent Williams. And, you know, you two really, really great, if not elite receivers in Devo Samuel and Ayuk. And, of course, you got Kittle there who, depending where you want to rank, uh, rank Andrews, he's the second or third best tight end in the league. So, like, if you're just looking across the board, it's like, holy crap, this guy has, like some people say, he's got the Avengers as his teammates. And it's, yeah, it's hard to argue that. Plus, coaching staff, Shanahan, pretty much every quarterback that goes through there has success, unless you're Trey Lance. But, I mean, it's, that's not, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's a system quarterback. He's great in his own right. He's making the throws. He's accurate. He's getting the ball out quick. He's making great decisions. So he's he's great. But is he the most valuable player on his team? I'd say no. And we kind of saw that a bit when, you know, the left tackle, Trent Williams, when he was out, Debo was out. Now we still have McCaffrey, you still at IU, Kittle was still playing, and they lost three in a row. And he had that really bad game where I think he had like 150 yards passing, you know, and 60 of those yards came from the final drive where he hit Ayuk twice in crossing routes where he ran for like 30 and 20 yards each time. So it's just, you, I don't see how someone can be the league MVP when they're not even the best player or the most valuable player on their team. Dak, on the other hand, you know, this has become a very pass-first offense. You know, they their running game hasn't been there for whatever reason. Uh, Tony Pollard hasn't been the guy we thought he was going to be. So Dak's definitely stepped up ever since the bye week, really, is when they really just foot on the gas. He's really, he's talked about this new style, the West Coast offense. Mike McCarthy's brought over for him. And they, they got rid of Kellen Moore, which everyone was skeptical about. We're like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? Kellen Moore, the offensive genius, boy wonder. You know, he's off in the Chargers, and they're struggling, obviously, with that top five quarterback, Justin Herbert. But, I mean, Dak's been lights out, and he proved it again last night. Comparatively, it wasn't a great game for him. It was barely over 60% completion rate. Uh, fumble, that's, ah, fumble happens. You know, when you get sacked by a large man like Fletcher Cox. But uh, Dak, he's still two touchdowns and made the third down completions. Did everything he was supposed to do to win the game, and he won. And, you know, he blew them out. Now people were saying, you know, past couple weeks, you know, they haven't played anyone. They played Seattle. I was like, oh, well, Seattle's kind of this and that this, you know, this time of the season. And so the, the real test was going to be the Eagles. And you know what? They aced it. More like a well, more like a B-plus for Dak, but, you know, the team aced it. They blew him out. And for me, if Dak 
Dak is the best offensive player on the team. I know it's CeeDee Lamb's elite, but Dak's, you know, he's hitting everyone. He's lighting him up with Ferguson. He's lighting him up with Brandon Cooks. He's become, you know, he's finally evolved into what we were hoping he was going to be at the beginning of the season. So Dak's doing his job. I mean, he's getting everyone involved the way he is. He's clearly what drives that offense. So that's kind of that's why I would put him ahead of Brock Purdy right now. Obviously, that doesn't matter because we got four games left. Anything could happen. Who knows? Now he could plus Dallas plays Miami and Buffalo to, you know, big games both both away. Historically, Dallas has been Dak's been pretty good on the road, but this year they've been not good. So we'll see see how things turn up them uh one people keep throwing out there as a not a dark horse but as like a real kind of like what do you mean you're not thinking about this guy lamar jackson you know they are the ravens probably are the best team in the afc i think that's clear but i mean you don't feel that when you watch them you don't feel that they're in the same kind of league as a san fran or dallas right now and part of that is Lamar Jackson. I mean, he had the, the huge year. He won MVP unanimous, unanimously voted uh, MVP. I think he had 50 or so total touchdowns, which is just insane for an NFL quarterback. You know, it's just, and since then, you know, he he's kind of been riding that MVP wave. You know, we've gave him all the credit. You know, you kind of go, oh, I don't know about this guy, but then someone will bring up the stat. Look, he's won so many games. This is his win percentage. It's insane. It's like, yeah, it is insane. And like people go, oh, he's a running back when they show you his passing stats. You're like, oh, those are kind of insane. But then you give it the eye test and you actually sit down and watch a game and it's uh, it's not so. And then you look at the stats and he's only got 16 passing touchdowns in the year so far. That's it's terrible, really, when you think about it as far as an MVP candidate. I mean, similar yardage and everything. He's got a couple rushing touchdowns, nothing compared to Jalen Hurts or anything like that. But... You know, Dak's got 28 passing touchdowns. Jalen Lamar Jackson's got 16. I mean, unless he had like 30 rushing touchdowns, you can't really put him on the same tier as Brock Purdy and Dak. I mean, maybe if those two fall off, Lamar will squeeze one out. But ah, it just seems kind of like a weird, weird way to try to wedge him into that conversation. You know. All right, one. That's all I got on that topic.